You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in to me today. The human body has over 30 trillion cells. Now, have you ever thought about how all of these cells work together? How do they stay on the same page? How do they talk to each other? Because each cell is, in essence, an individual entity, but they're all working together under the common good of being you. And how these cells stay on the same page and how they talk to each other, how they communicate is via hormones. Hormones are essentially chemical direct messages, chemical DMs, sliding into the DMs, getting all of our cells. They're essentially chemical messengers that are sending metabolic DMs to each and every one of your cells to ensure that all the cells are working together under one common goal. Now, the problem is when those chemical DMs are sending the wrong type of signal at the wrong time and or when they're sending too much of a signal or not enough. And so this is when we start to have abnormal hormonal communication or this phenomenon when we say our hormones are, quote, out of whack. And so the health of our hormones are of the utmost importance. Now, just a little bit of a sidebar here, even if we're talking about hormones, it isn't something superficial. It isn't something that just magically appears and happens on their own. They're made from stuff. They're made from the food that you eat. Hormones at their core are essentially made from protein building blocks. This is why getting in adequate amounts of the right types of amino acids are obviously important if we're talking about hormone health. Now, that's just a little sidebar and a preview of what we're going to be talking about today because we're going to be talking about how our diet deeply impacts our hormone health, our sexual function. We're really going to dive in deep and talking about our sexual health in relationship to our lifestyle today and rapid rates of sexual dysfunction that are taking place right now. But please know that there are solutions. And if you're not experiencing something like that right now, just to create an insurance policy or a buffer against dysfunction later in life. And our special guest knows a thing or 10,000 about this subject matter. Being a triple board certified physician with specialties ranging from gynecology to integrative medicine to anti-aging medicine and more. She's absolutely brilliant and has a wealth of knowledge for all of us. So I'm really excited about this. Now, one other thing before we get to our special guest that I want to talk about from the nutritional domain, if we're talking about cellular communication, we have to be aware that there's this really critical sodium potassium pump that's enabling essentially every single function that the body does requires the action of this sodium potassium pump. And these are two essential electrolytes. These are minerals that carry an electric charge. They are critically important to everything about us. When we're deficient in these key electrolytes, stuff starts breaking down very, very quickly. Another key electrolyte is magnesium, for example. It's responsible for over 600 biochemical processes that we're aware of today. And it's just been growing. Like every year we found out more things that magnesium is critically involved in, critically responsible for. A lot of it has to do with our muscle function, with our cognitive function, with our brain health, but also being able to teeter back and forth with our parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, right? The sympathetic nervous system is that fight or flight nervous system. It's that get up and go drive. 
that is pumping out cortisol and adrenaline, noradrenaline, and this kind of hyper-stress state that we need from time to time. We got to dip into that. But we also need to be able to go not just zero to 100, but to go from 100 back to zero. How quickly can you get back in balance? How quickly can you calm down? When you're deficient in magnesium, it is remarkably difficult. And 56% of United States citizens are deficient in magnesium today. That's the latest estimates. Is a huge deficiency. And part of the reason that we're so deficient in magnesium as a society is the fact that it's involved in so much stuff and involved in so much stuff involved with stress management. And we are chronically stressed today like no other time in human history, but not from imminent kind of big picture fears of invasion or, or, or of food famine. We are dying by a thousand cuts. It's that death by a thousand cuts scenario where we have all of these micro stressors and some major stressors as well, but just contributing to this overall stress load. And we have to be more proactive in getting the nutrients that our body needs to help us to buffer and manage this stress because the stress isn't going anywhere. All right. We're living in a culture today where we are dealing with a lot of environmental stressors. The best thing that we can do is make our bodies more resilient. And this is why I'm such a huge proponent of supplementing with key electrolytes from intelligent sources. We don't want electrolytes that are coming along with artificial colors and sugars and all of this crazy stuff that creates more dysfunction. We want high quality electrolytes in optimal ratios. The electrolytes that I use are based on hundreds of thousands of data points from real people to find out what is that optimal ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium. And in this conversation about longevity and having real radiant health later in life, you want to be aware that, again, just in the same vein with magnesium, a double-blind, placebo-controlled study published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease found that improving magnesium levels in adult test subjects, they were aged 50 to 70, could potentially reverse brain aging by over nine years. We're talking about making your brain almost a decade younger by optimizing your magnesium intake, combine that with the power of high-quality sodium, a peer-reviewed study published in the European Heart Journal titled Sodium Intake, Life Expectancy, and All-Cause Mortality revealed, quote, observation of sodium intake correlating positively with life expectancy and inversely with all-cause mortality, unquote. These results were shocking to the researchers themselves because in the scientific community at large, sodium is believed to be this devastatingly terrible thing. But sodium is one of the most critical nutrients for human health and functionality. In fact, another study conducted by researchers at Harvard Medical School, this was published in the journal Metabolism, found that low sodium intake directly increases insulin resistance in healthy people. We're going to talk about insulin today with our special guest, and you're going to understand that it's impacting so many different areas of our lives. It's not just about gaining fat and losing fat and, you know, diabetic kind of conversations. Insulin is a major role player in so many different aspects of human health. And so optimal function of insulin and being insulin sensitive is dependent upon the activity of sodium. Most of the sodium we're taking in in our culture today is from ultra processed foods very, very low quality sources, right? So about 70% of the sodium that the average American is taking in is from ultra processed foods. We move that stuff out of our diets 
suddenly we're looking at a potential gap here in sodium. So getting high quality sodium through fresh foods and also high quality salts is a great first step, but ultimately the very best combination of sodium, magnesium, and potassium is going to be found through Element. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model. I just had their electrolytes before the show today. It's one of my favorite things, staple in my nutritional protocol. And right now, when you head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash model, you're going to get a free bonus pack, a sample pack of their different flavors of electrolytes with any purchase. All right, so you get a free gift with any purchase right now when you head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash model. Head over there, check them out. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled My Favorite Health Podcast by Holistic Dr. T. I've been listening for years. This show is always packed with valuable research-based information. And Sean is not only a wealth of information, but he's entertaining too. Let's go. Thank you so much for leaving that review over on Apple Podcasts. I truly do appreciate that. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Dr. Anna Kabeca is a triple board certified fellow of gynecology and obstetrics, integrative medicine, and anti-aging and regenerative medicine. She holds special certifications in functional medicine, sexual health, and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. She's been featured in a plethora of major media outlets, and she also has her own top-rated show called The Girlfriend Doctor Show. She's back here on The Model Health Show to talk about hormones, sex, and so much more. Let's dive into this conversation with the amazing Dr. Anna Kabeca. Welcome back. So good to see you again. It's great to be here with you. Thank you for having me. I want to talk to you about weight gain. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you've been a practitioner for many, many years. You've helped a lot of people. Why is it that it seems to get more difficult to stay in a healthy weight range as we get older? Well, and especially in today's time, but I'll tell you that just from my own personal experience, I've been well over 240 pounds and so had, you know, just terrible metabolism, both sides of my family, um, predisposed to diabetes. Actually, both parents passed away due to complications of diabetes. And so I know this area really well. And of course, like you look at how your parents age or health conditions they have, and you say to yourself, that is never going to be me, right? I'm going to find a way. And I went into medicine to really understand how to prevent disease. There I was, <laughs> practicing physician, you know, and, and kept gaining weight, gaining weight, not sleeping, doing OB, eating you know, maybe one meal a day late at night when I was done work and drinking coffee all through the day. I mean, it was, you know, very destructive to my metabolism. And then I worked really hard to understand what was going on and to lose that weight, right? To lose that weight. And then midlife, I started gaining, like my patients would say, they'd come and say, Dr. Ann, I've gained 5, 10, 20 pounds without doing anything different. Right. And you hear that a lot. And, you know, as a young physician, I was like, sure, sure, you're not doing anything different. Right. <laughs> like, let me see what's in your purse. You know, are you driving through on your way home for, you know, driving through for your meals or what's going on? When it happened to me, it was very humbling because, you know, certainly I, I, I took that to heart and I always checked thyroid and checked hormones and checked, you know, their food diary and things like that. 
but I didn't understand the metabolic changes that are happening as we age. And you cannot do anything different and start gaining weight because on the hormonal level, the, you know, anabolic hormones are decreasing and your catabolic hormones are increasing. So cortisol is increasing, which naturally raises your blood sugar. Insulin's increasing. And those are the two of the big ones. And they're 13 weight control hormones that we really know of. And so you put all that together and it's the perfect storm, especially for women. Oh, man. Okay. So how do we get a handle on this, you know, with potentially, again, like this is, and you said it before you even got, got going there that it's especially today. Especially Emphasis today. on that. Why is it even more so today? Because even if we look at past generations, the weight gain issue hasn't been remotely as big as it is today. Yeah, yeah, as extreme. And it is because of hormone disruptors and obesogens in our food chain, in our environment, in our skincare. I mean, those are things that are disrupting. A study done, oh gosh, it was early 2000s, looked at umbilical cord blood and found, I think it was 267 chemicals, 192, which were known carcinogens, in umbilical cord blood. And as an obstetrician, I always tell moms, your baby's in the safest place in the world when the baby's in your womb, but yet already in the womb is being exposed to harmful chemicals. And that can last for generations that, you know, can take three, four, five, six, seven generations to eliminate from, but we're getting constant exposure. So those obesogens are part of the problem for sure. There's even this category of these quote forever chemicals. Yes. Right. That it's in like all kinds of packaging and stuff that our food is coming in. And like you just said, it could be difficult to avoid. Even in the womb now, we're getting infiltrated Mm -hmm. by this. But the cool thing is, by the way, the womb and, you know, the placenta, but that whole thing is very protective. You just said it, like safest place to be. At the same time, there's only so much that the human body can take and we're creating a really toxic environment. Yeah. So that awareness though, can empower us to do things like detoxing, cleansing, eliminating, our future exposures, our current and future exposures, we can't do anything with what's done, but what can we do now to cleanse from those chemicals as much as possible? Some we don't know how to get rid of yet, but we can eliminate future exposures as much as possible. So I think that's encouraging. And then plus, as our hormones shifting, understand what we have to do, what we have to prioritize as a lifestyle in order to improve enhance our physiology Mm. so that we can have, and I like to say the time after menopause for women, but, and andropause for men, but the second spring of our lives. So how we, how we enter into the second spring of our lives, which can be more beautiful, more powerful, more passionate than, you know, I say the the heady time of all our reproductive years. That's inspiring to hear (laughs) because of course there's so much fear around that transition Mm -hmm. and you know it's just all downhill from here Mm -hmm. and to hear that we can access more joy more happiness potentially better health you know but it really starts with what's going on with our hormones so you mentioned that we have this interesting change happening where more anabolic regenerative hormones are kind of decreasing as time goes on Uh, one of the ones that jumps out to me it's kind of the youth hormone is hgh Mm -hmm. for example And one of the buffers we could have there is, of course, exercise. But then again, there's things with our lifestyle as well. Big one is sleep. Sleep, exactly. 
so important and like you have to prioritize sleep, sound, deep sleep. I'm not sure about the duration of sleep. I think there's an individualization there and it depends on the quality of sleep and, and the individual. But I think that sleep and exercise, I'm staying with my friend here in California, Lavinia, and she is a, just such an advocate for exercise. She goes, just start each day with exercise and you're going to have a better day. And it's true because I know that improves our mood and that fitness and whatever it is for you, keeping fit, keeping flexible, that's rejuvenating. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. If you could, can you share a little bit, you just mentioned with sleep, quality versus quantity in a sense. What are some of the things that, and you, again, you know this experientially when making that transition, if even around times of menopause, premenopause, perimenopause, sleep issues can Mm -hmm. obviously be a big deal, hot flashes and things of the like. What are some of the things that people can do to improve their sleep quality? Yeah, definitely. A good night's sleep always starts with a good morning routine. So like starting your day off with exercise, with, you know, ideally without caffeine being the first thing you do and really starting your adrenals off well-supported in the day. So I use an adaptogenic blend. It's my blend, Mighty Maca. So I'll drink that in the morning and lots of hydration in the morning. And so you set your day up for support and then have your coffee and break fast, right? And then for your evening ritual, I think it's really important to establish a good evening ritual like we do for babies. And I'm a grandma now, so it's very fresh because my granddaughter lives with me and she's one. And so getting her into her sleep routine, it's really specific. What are the cues that are going to start winding you down and get you to sleep? Maybe it's a hot shower followed by a cold plunge or maybe it's your, you know, your, after your evening meal, your reading and meditation time. Then there's things, so you're, you're setting yourself up for a good night's sleep and winding down naturally. Now, sometimes we need to supplement in perimenopause and menopause. I often use, um, again, adaptogens like maca, and I also use progesterone. So bioidentical progesterone topically in a cream to help, can help both men and women to get that better night's sleep. Oral progesterone as well works even better for for sleep, especially in menopause and beyond. So you can do those things too. And other supplements, optimizing, like as far as setting your sleep cycle, getting sunset. So your eyes are triggered, red light, blocking out blue light, those setting your room to 65 degrees and making it pitch black. So those are things that can definitely help with getting a good night's sleep. That 3 a.m. waking though, because of that Cortisol surge is that's why it's so important to really stay steady on your diet. Again, for me, it's like low carb type of living or, you know, flex, flexing in some carbs periodically. But that's the keto green lifestyle so that your blood sugar stays really stable. So you're not going to get this crazy spike in the middle of the night. And with keep maintaining healthy blood sugar levels, your cortisol will be better managed, but still in that perimenopause. You get that 3 a.m. spike. And so supporting your adrenals before bed is, again, part of reducing that. And and you can use supplements, too, for that. You mentioned starting the day off with instead of running right for something that's kind of a nervous system stimulant. Yeah. And it's also stimulant for our endocrine system as well. But you mentioned maca. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about, first of all, what is maca? 
And why would this be something that we want to take? Yeah. So I actually learned about maca from my own personal journey. So when I was 39, I was in early menopause and infertile, and I was told I would never be able to have another baby. And so I took a sabbatical from my practice and went to Peru because I had a nurse from Peru and I loved her very much and her family. So we actually took a trip around the world, but we started in Peru and everywhere they went, they said, you're infertile, drink maca. You're tired, drink maca. Then they would elbow my husband at the time and say, it's the Peruvian Viagra. So for sure, you know, we're drinking some maca, right? I'm like, okay, well, let me understand the science behind it. And um, maca stems, I mean, its origin is in Peru. It's in the high Andes of Peru. And it's where the ancient Incan warriors were reported to have drink, to drink maca or to eat maca before they went to battle because it gave them stamina and energy and this virility, right? And so for, you know, for centuries, it's part of the medicinal foods of, of Peru and helps with altitude sickness and and so as I dug into it, first, I couldn't stand the taste of maca. So I started adding it well, with other superfoods. I'm like, if this is a superfood, what other ones are native to Peru or this area in South America? And so I started mixing it with other superfoods. So number one, it would taste better. And I was like, well, the combination, you know, see if the combinations would work even better. But I dug into the science behind maca. And so behind the folklore, there's a tremendous amount of science. And the structure of maca is really interesting. So, you know, the native Peruvian maca, not Chinese maca, has very specific proteins and they're called macaines. So very unique proteins to maca. And it's also rich in arginine, which arginine, as you know, will increase nitric oxide, which increases blood flow, which is how Viagra works. So here was some science to prove it. It's also high in histidine, which helps with orgasm. And, um, and so I thought it was just fascinating as I got into it, but it's also been studied as adaptogenic and research on sex, like it can help all stages of sexual dysfunction. So from desire to, um, orgasm to, you know, just the innate, um, primary and secondary response, sexual response. So that was all beautiful to hear that in both men and women and, um, and hawk lashes. And so it just has this adaptogenic like uh, nature similar to resveratrol, turmeric, quercetin, all of those superfoods which have adaptogenic natures as well. Oh, so I awesome. love it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. And here's the thing. Again, it's been utilized for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned the adaptogenic aspect of this. What is that? It means we're, it helps us to adapt to stress, essentially, yes. you know? And so since we're on the subject of sex, as we age again, that becomes like Viagra is one of the most profitable drugs out here. It's been like that for quite some time. It started off in the domain of like cardiovascular benefit, but it's just like accidentally, you know, you're pitching the tent over here when you're just trying to you know, be able to go for a walk. And, you know, we, <laughs> what a walk that is, by the way, you know, but, you know, to, to have this kind of thing that's been normalized in our culture where dysfunction is the norm. And if you tie that also to the cardiovascular 
degradation epidemic taking place. It's just like, it's no wonder that this is an issue later on in life. So let's talk about this process, this experience for a lot of women, for example, of going through menopause and having sexual dysfunction and or reduction in sexual desire and pleasure and things like that. What can women do to help to kind of restore and support their bodies to, number one, be more attracted to having sex mm -hmm. and also enjoying it more? Yeah, there's so much to that question. And I think as I go back, I mean, I've been in medicine a long time. I mean, started in the 80s and the 90s, studying women's health and sexual health and um, as a practicing OBGYN and recognizing like, what, what do we have for women in sexual health? We have nothing, like we had nothing. And I remember in 1999, drawing labs for a patient who would come to me. And this is a really, I'm gonna share this story. So a 63 year old woman who was silver haired, five feet 10, 155 pounds, lean, and she came in to my office in, in Southeast Georgia. She said, Dr. Anna, I knew you were coming. I said, I had a breast cancer diagnosis or ductal carcinoma in situ of the breast, diagnosed at Emory, where you trained. I've been waiting to see you. And I'm a woman of the 60s. My vagina's dry. It hurts to have sex. I have no desire. And I'd rather die than live this way. Help me. And I was like, oh, I know, right? Like, Okay, here I am, a young OBGYN thinking, well, let me look in my doctor's bag. Okay, I'm trained at one of the best places in the, in the world, and my doctor's bag was empty for her. With ductal carcinoma in situ, it's not breast cancer, but yet they treat it as if it is. No estrogen for you. Sorry, you're, you know, like we can't give you anything. That was her, um, you know, that was the, the uh, advice she had been given several times from several specialists. And so she said, you know, what about androgen therapy? And I studied it and I looked at the research because I was a researcher for the U.S. Navy, actually, before I went to med school. So I dug into all the research and androgens, DHEA, testosterone appeared safe. And she said, I am willing to consent with whatever you need to consent to, to do this. And so I started her on a testosterone and I started her on DHEA and I optimized and but when I did her lab, Sean, this was so interesting. 1999, I drew her labs, testosterone, estrogen, you know, sex hormone binding globulin. I was digging in to see what was going on and then how can I safely manage her, not to mention her, you know, her hemoglobin A1C and her inflammatory markers. But her testosterone came back zero and it was read as normal by the lab. Because at that what? point, zero, Wait, or, right. Zero was normal at that time for a woman because the testosterone assays we were doing in the 90s, early 2000s were, to, were designed for men and weren't sensitive enough to pick up lower levels of testosterone in women. Isn't that crazy? So, and it was said, well, near, zero is normal for a 63-year-old woman. Not that long ago. And it took a long time for us to see some change and improvement in that. And at that time, too, we were just and calculating free testosterone levels. So, so <laughs> we've come a long way, but, and I will tell you that woman, I, actually I've followed her for 20 years and at 83, she was, she was doing well. She had written and published a book. She'd been skiing in, in Colorado and, you know, was just doing amazing, still lobbying on Capitol Hill. I mean, she's a researcher too. So, 
you know, it was really good to see that. And her bone strength maintained. It didn't decline as you would expect to see someone very postmenopausal have osteoporosis or osteopenia, and she had it. And so that was, that was really encouraging. But at the time, we just didn't understand. And we still are, it's, we're at our infancy. But because of her, that really put me on this path to help women with sexual health. And what can we do? What can we do naturally? How can I support them? How can we also recognize that we want to do everything that's safe so they're not at increased risk of breast cancer, but I want to help my breast cancer patients become resilient to any, you know, resilient and also have bodies that are inhospitable to cancer or recurrent cancer. So that's the goal with hormone balancing. And so when it comes to sexual health, we want to look at how do we increase desire? How do we increase function? And that took me down a long path to understand there are really three areas that interfere with our ability to, our sexual, our sexual drive, let's say, and those are issues of desire, issues of discomfort, because if you hurt every time you do something, why would you want to, right? So from vaginal dryness or, or perineal pain or pelvic pain. And the third is disconnect. So if you have stress and you have relationship issues, you have trauma, you have PTSD, there's often disconnect. And so that's where there's war between our cortisol and our hormone oxytocin, the hormone of connection. But yet sex is a remedy for that. So got to circumvent that. In so How? Ways. Right. How okay. sway? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so there's a few things. If there's discomfort, if there's pain, dryness issues, you've got to address the discomfort. So for women specifically, that's my area of specialty. It's addressing vaginal dryness issues. And so I use bioidentical hormones. I created a product called Jolva, which is a cosmetic cream for the vulva that restores stores natural moisture. So that increases your natural lubrication, helps the pH of the vagina too. So it's healthier and it's, na its natural secretions are better. So there's more pleasure and less discomfort during intercourse. So that's number one. Also, if there's other areas of discomfort, if it's pelvic muscle spasms or anything, that needs to be addressed. Because again, I always tell guys, well, if you were playing baseball and every time you went up to bat and got hit by the ball, would you want to keep playing baseball? Mm. Probably not. Mm. No. That analogy. I'm a very visual person. So as you were. Now, what about <laughs> this oxytocin gap? So the oxytocin gap. So recognizing that also because of my own personal story, post-traumatically disconnecting from my, my marriage, burning out from my profession. I was like, wait, I, I love my husband. I love my work. How am I so, I don't feel love for it anymore. And that's when I understood the, the consequence of cortisol. So the cortisol oxytocin disconnect. So when cortisol goes up, the hormone of connection oxytocin goes down because when you're in that fight flight mode or, you know, you have fear, it's not like, you know, you're going to go up to an enemy and hug them, right? It's that designed for you just to be in that primal instinct. So cortisol's up, oxytocin is low. But when cortisol and when oxytocin's up, cortisol's low. When you're feeling loved, when you're feeling connected, when you're laughing, you have less stress, less stress, less cortisol. So, um, so that's powerful. But when cortisol's up, right? Oxytocin's low. When cortisol's up for a long time then the paraventricular 
nucleus in the brain, the area um, governing the release often of the adrenal hormones and, and cortisol is suppressed. So cortisol gets suppressed. So now you're at the state where cortisol is low and oxytocin is low. If someone did a salivary test and you saw this low cortisol, likely they're feeling disconnected and burnt out, right? It's very hard to measure oxytocin in the blood, but this, when you're at this stage, it feels like when you go into the grocery store and you see someone you grew up with and you're like, I don't see them. I don't know who they are. I'm pretending they don't see me. Or you don't go out to dinner. You don't do the things that you used to love doing, painting or playing or whatever it may be. And you feel like, God, I know, you know, I love my kids. I don't feel love for them. Or I used to love, I had a urologist tell me, I used to love going into the, my office and seeing my patients until the paperwork took over. Now I don't even want to go in any longer. That disconnect, that burnout from the things you love to do. And that's what that feels like. So anecdote to that is to focus on oxytocin, which is free. The most hard, certainly we can supplement and prescribe oxytocin if needed, but by doing things that increase oxytocin. So watching a funny movie, like My Big Fat Greek Wedding, one of my favorites, for sure. So what, what about Talladega Nights? We talked about uh, yeah, that before we got I started. Know, that's cringeworthy. You're, you're not, a fan, not a fan, but <laughs> it is a classic, as you were. Okay, so beyond... Funny movies, but think people that make you laugh, having really, you know, conversations like we're having where you can feel at ease and be yourself and your authentic self and have fun. So I always say, you know, the, the theory of red wine theory is that, uh, you know, a glass of red wine increases your longevity because of resveratrol. I'm like, is it the glass of red wine? Or is it the, you know, family sitting at the table with friends mm. and you're drinking together, laughing together, you're in safe community? That more likely is the is bringing up oxytocin, the hormone of longevity. It's doing a lot more than resveratrol. Love resveratrol, but that is oxytocin is doing more. And of course, affection, kissing, hugging, um, you know, if, you know, orgasm certainly, sexual health and pleasure, head massages. You know, kids, people mm. love head massage. You love to go to your hairdresser for a head massage, and that increases oxytocin. Swinging on a playground, a swing set. Mm. That increases oxytocin. You can't not swing and laugh. You know, it's like that increases oxytocin. So playing with a pet and having a pet increases longevity. So that and a healthy marriage increases longevity. And so having safe, close connection community increases oxytocin. Good friendships, you know, community groups. And that's very common through all the blue zone is that thread of community. We have access to all this stuff oh, like, it's free. and it's free. Mm -hmm. That's so wonderful, mm -hmm. you know, but we're also today, um, the former U.S. Surgeon General, which I think he's back in the office, but his team had reached out to me a couple of years ago about his book and it was centered around this loneliness epidemic and a lot of the data and it was just, you know, I'll, I go and cross-reference stuff and look through and it's just like, this is a serious problem, you know, and it was looking at the way that he positioned it, which you know, it's, it's debatable, but it's definitely a part of the equation that it's our biggest health epidemic is loneliness. And so when we're not engaging in these things and especially engaging with each other, we, but also I wanted to talk about this too, because you could be with people and still feel lonely, right? So this is, it's one of those things where we're kind of, it's like a vicious circle in a sense. 
where we are lacking this thing that we can get by doing the thing, but without the thing, it makes us not want to do the thing. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Play that back. Play that back. Oh, oh yeah. No, <laughs> like that sense that I know I need to feel, I need to have good community to get more connection, but I don't feel it, right? I'm feel, I still feel alone in a room full of people. And that I go back to the physiology, that cortisol, oxytocin disconnect. So you've got to manage that stress cortisol response because you can feel like, like for me, it was like, oh, I've got this handled, right? I had PTSD under the surface. So that was constantly that revving engine. So for many times when you're isolated, despite knowing that you have people that care about you, it's that trauma, either from adverse childhood experiences, post -traumatic, post traumatic stress, and there's a wiring to that. So you have to break that connection. And the best meditation, EMDR, doing brain tap, doing things to break those nervous connections, that gamma nerve root signaling that, you know, trained, um, say, the ruts in the road, basically. And I'm sure Daniel Amen talks about that, too, those automatic negative thoughts that, that under the surface is continuing that cortisol feed, that revving engine. And you can only take it for so long. But the anecdote, oxytocin, in addition to healing that, I mean, has so many health benefits, but things you do regularly to increase oxytocin. So pet therapy for veterans in nursing homes. So having a pet that starts to decrease, you know, regulate cortisol, but increase oxytocin. So you start to have this shift, this empowerment, and then you've got to reset the circadian rhythm. So that's part of the equation to get well. So. Wow. So in essence, there's this kind of inverse relationship with oxytocin and cortisol. Mm -hmm. And if both of them are low, then we are in kind of that state that you're describing. That isolation, feeling of isolation. And it's just, and this is what I love about your work too, is just taking people just step by step, one step at a time, mm -hmm. add a little thing in, and also removing things that are blockages for this process. Now, when you mentioned with orgasm, having oxytocin be present, there's like a cocktail of other chemistry that takes place, right? And I just got to thinking how a lot of that also relates to overall reproductive health and or um, sexual function, connection, like prolactin is another one. Because even if we talk about oxytocin, like Pitocin is used in the context of like childbirth, for example. <laughs> what about prolactin? Can we talk about that? Because with prolactin, for example, that has to do with milk production mm -hmm. as well. Is yeah. again, it was just like we're producing this stuff, men and women actually, in the context of getting together and doing freaky stuff. <laughs> okay, freaky stuff. There's visuals there. Okay. <laughs> Can tell me more about that. <laughs> <laughs> and also another thing that you mentioned earlier with these stress hormones as well, there are also good stressors. So like we'll release norepinephrine, for example, in the context of orgasm. So it's just like cocktail of things that have all of these other benefits that don't just do one thing. Right. And it's so powerful because you think about, you think about that. So just with, with sex in general, that connection, that intimacy and how oxytocin affects the male and female differently. That's a piece of it. And then the many ways that our body is designed to make oxytocin, 
So there are oxytocin receptors all over our body. When you said with childbirth, you know, and as an obstetrician, we gave Pitocin in labor to stimulate stronger, faster, harder contractions. But that oxytocin is that hormone of attachment. So that is so powerful, that hormone of attachment, so that when we deliver this baby, we are now bonded to this baby. And they may look kind of, you know, you know, wrinkly and, you know, whatever, hairy and all this stuff, but they're the most beautiful child you've ever seen in that moment. And you are bonded to that child for life, for sure. So there's that oxytocin connection piece that is designed for, you know, that evolution, evolutionary reasons to, to protect that child and, and to be able to provide for that child, to have all the desire to. When we take that childbirth experience away, we lose that natural oxytocin surge that is is um, part of that experience. And certainly sometimes we have to when we do a scheduled cesarean section. But it's important to understand that, you know, that's where, again, breastfeeding will be really important because every time we breastfeed, we're increasing oxytocin and that hormone of connection, that bonding. And that's so beneficial for the woman and the baby. And also we're increasing the prolactin. So you have that milk letdown. And so that's very therapeutic as well. So that connection of hormones by design and then throughout life, the importance of sex to maintain the, you know, couple relationship that that keeps us connected when we have sex in relationship. When we take it out of a marriage, we become roommates and it's one of the most, the sexless marriage is a very common reason for divorce. But how did it get there? What was the reasons of loss of desire? or discomfort or disconnect. Those are the three primary reasons we end up in a sexless marriage. Got a quick break coming up, we'll be right back. I've got some very bad news for you about vitamin C supplements. Most people have no idea that typical vitamin C supplements are made from corn syrup or cornstarch derived from GMO crops. The synthetic ascorbic acid found in most vitamin C supplements is structurally similar to naturally derived whole food sources of vitamin C, but they are not the same thing. Whole food and whole food concentrates of vitamin C have hundreds of other bioactive cofactors that make vitamin C work miraculously in our bodies, while synthetic vitamin C is the very definition of a one-trick pony. In fact, by being devoid of essential cofactors, synthetic vitamin C supplements can be outright harmful to your health. For instance, a 2013 study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, Internal Medicine, found that participants taking synthetic vitamin C supplements had twice the risk of developing kidney stones. Another study from researchers at USC found that a daily dose of synthetic vitamin C thickened the walls of participants' arteries two and a half times faster than those not taking the synthetic supplement. This is absolutely insane because number one, it's one of the most popular standalone supplements in the world and commonly found in most multivitamins. Number two, whole food-based, whole food concentrates of real vitamin C are remarkably effective in lowering the risk of cardiovascular disease, even in people engaged in high-risk behaviors like smoking. A randomized placebo-controlled study published in the Journal of Cardiology had 20 smokers consume a whole food concentrate of vitamin C in the form of camu camu berry daily over the course of a one-week study and it led to significantly lowered oxidative stress and lowered 
inflammatory biomarkers. What's more, there were no changes in these markers in the placebo group who received an ordinary synthetic vitamin C supplement. Because of the damage humans have done to the soil microbiome, levels of vitamin C are notably lower in typical foods. That's why I've been utilizing a whole food vitamin C concentrate blend of camu camu berry, acerola cherry, and amla berry for years. And I'm on a mission to spread awareness about this and get people off synthetic vitamin C supplements. The Essential C Complex from Paleo Valley is all organic, no synthetic ingredients, and no fillers. Plus it has a 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee. So if you aren't absolutely thrilled with it, you'll receive a full refund, no questions asked. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash model right now and you'll automatically receive 15% off of your order at checkout. Vitamin C is critical for our immune system health, but also the health of our heart, our brain, our skin, and so much more. Target organic, whole food sources of vitamin C, and if you're going to supplement, make sure it's a whole food concentrate and not synthetic vitamin C. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash model. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com forward slash model right now for 15% off. And now back to the show. All right, let's go back to loss of desire. Let's dig a little bit deeper on this one. How can we address that? So it's not uncommon to lose like primary desire, like, you know, different for men and women. But for women specific, like for men, it's very visual. I think I want to have sex. I'm ready to have sex. For women, it's more of a secondary desire. And that means that once this, I heard it from patients or they started asking questions and you know, when my patients have no, no libido or, you know, I just don't want to have sex with my husband. I've never initiated, but I'm good once we get started. Then I'm into it once we get started. And, and I heard that over and over again and then read the Basan model of secondary sec- sexual desire. So what does that mean? It means, okay, start caressing our hormones, oxytocin, dopamine, start increasing. Now I'm turned on and then I'm into it, right? But how do we get more of that primary desire? So there's two things. And I have a program, it's called Sexual CPR, because there's so much to this area. And it's in the first class is help doctor, my sex drive has no pulse, right? Dead. But, but the whole thing is, I mean, that's so much to this. But the first two secrets that men and women need to know about each other so that they want to have sex more is um, a man needs to know that oxytocin on a woman increases her desire for connection and intimacy. So I had a couple come into my medical practice and they were in their late 30s, 37, and they'd been married about 10 years or so. And, and he said, you know, she has great orgasm, she climaxes, and, but she never wants to initiate sex. And she'd been my patient for a while. So I knew like her GYN history and everything. And, and she said, yeah, no, I mean, sex is great. I, I just don't want to initiate it. So I looked at him. I said, what's the first thing you do after sex? And he goes, after sex? What's the first thing I do? You can answer that in your head or out loud if you want, Sean. But he said, I roll over and go to sleep. Mm. And I said, of course. Like oxytocin makes you sleepy, relaxed, and you roll over and go to sleep. You're done, right? And, and for women... For the most part, it's that time where oxytocin's high and that's that connection, that intimacy. That's the time to give her two minutes, you know, like same amount of time it takes to brush your teeth or 
tie your shoes or, or whatever. Have that orgasm for some people. Right? <laughs> Two minutes. I have another one. Two minutes. Take that time to positive reinforcement, verbal, caressing, talking, you know, encouraging words, loving, bonding moment just for just for a couple minutes. And let's see what happens. And they came back in, I think it was six weeks or eight weeks later. And she's like, she's initiating sex over half the time. She goes, it is so, like, I look forward to it because I know I have that time. Like, I get that positive reinforcement now. Mm. And so that connection was really, like, that's the cherry on top for us. Not the climax, not the orgasm. It's that feeling, that intimacy and connection for most of us in the relationship. That piece, if that piece is missing, that often it's secondary desire and there's no longer that primary desire. And then the second secret. So that's always the secret that I want men to know about women to get them wanting to have more sex. And the secret that I want women to know about men. And this is a question I asked many men. I interviewed some of the most chauvinistic men on the planet, I think. And I asked them, well, what is your turn on with sex? Like when you have sex with your wife or your partner, what turns you on the most? What, you know, what's your ultimate, like, what makes you, what's your ultimate goal? And every one of them said her turn on. Her pleasure was his pleasure. Her turn on was his turn on. When she loved it, he loved it. And so that was it. And for women to realize that, look, in order for you to feel that pleasure, to be turned on, you've got to express what feels good to you. You can't just power through or check this box on your list. That's your time for pleasure. That's your time to bask in the love, the connection, the physical pleasure and intimacy that your body is designed for and express what's turning you on because that's honestly, he's not, you know, I mean, for the most part, he's just not there to do whatever, get his job done and, and be done with it. Your turn on is his turn on. That's his biggest turn on. And so as women realize that, I mean, that was, that's powerful realization. This is so good. So good. And it just, again, it makes so much sense, you know, with the positive reinforcement, for example. And uh, also, I think there's a lot of truth in that, you know, even with the most chauvinistic fellas out there, um, you know, now since we're talking about this cascade of chemicals that we release during orgasm, I want to reference a classic treatise. <laughs> called Sleep Smarter. And in the Who's book- Who's the author? Yo mama. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm sorry. So, and this is my first book. And actually, as of this recording, um, it is the anniversary, actually, of the release of Sleep Smarter. And it really helped to shift cultures back in 2015. This was the major published version of it. It's translated in like, I think, 22 different wow. languages now. So it's pretty profound, but in it, there's a chapter called the big O and how it impacts our sleep. And on page 69. It, it, and it just so happened. I didn't <laughs> do that on purpose. A reader had let me know. And that's true story. Damn it. And so um, I talk about oxytocin a little bit, but you, you obviously flesh it out so much and it's so wonderful. But in particular with prolactin, prolactin is... Yes, of course, linked to sexual satisfaction, but also deeply re related to sleep. And animals injected with prolactin become tired immediately. Mm. This is, of all the different chemical cascade, the one that tends to make you tired. If you think about that phenomenon, which you just mentioned, rolling over and going to sleep, prolactin is that boy. 
Now, in particular, now this was so fascinating to me. Researchers discovered that this whole, even when we talk about going another round, it's because prolactin is up. When prolactin can come back down, that's when you can go back up in a sense. And it's also important to note that men produce four times more prolactin when having an orgasm through intercourse compared to masturbation, which is really interesting as well. So this might be that phenomenon where afterwards with your sexual partner, you roll over and go to sleep versus when you do it by yourself, you go get a bowl of cereal. <laughs> uh, for women, prolactin surges are deeply connected to the quality of orgasm and also subsequent sexual satisfaction. And this was actually cited in the Journal of Sexual Medicine. So again, we've, we've got this amazing, intelligent pharmacy within our bodies. Yes. And with sex, well, we kind of get tunnel vision with this thing. This chemistry affects so many other areas of our lives. And I love that you, because the title of one of your books is The Hormone Fix and like addressing these things because what I'm really gathering is that so much of our experience is dependent upon our hormone function. And a lot of times, even when we say like, somebody's coming in to see you, my, my hormones are out of whack. We don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. So if we could, let's talk a little bit about our hormones themselves. Like what are they, what does this mean when we say my hormones are out of whack? What am I actually saying? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's that feeling that you're not at home in your own body. When you start saying something like my hormones are out of whack, you're just like, I'm not at home in my own body. Something is off. It's like, you know, I need, I need to go in for a tune up. And it often is true. And in my book, The Hormone Fix, the biggest thing that I emphasize is, is that number one, it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones. It is the lifestyle changes that we make that will affect our hormones. And when we're typically we have hundreds of hormones in our body. And as in, in medicine, as a gynecologist and obstetrician, I was trained to focus on the reproductive hormones, right? So progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, maybe a little bit on DHEA as an adrenal hormone, but was really focused on those hormones. But the master hormones to our reproductive, more important hormones than our reproductive hormones are insulin and cortisol. And the most important hormone is oxytocin. So again, everything we can do to empower oxytocin is going to help all the other hormones. But insulin, becoming insulin sensitive, that's gonna manage your progesterone levels better. Your testosterone will be better behaved when you're insulin, when you're more insulin sensitive. And cortisol, when we're producing a lot of cortisol or we're out of whack with our cortisol, it's dysfunctional then our, our progesterone levels are lower, our reproductive hormones are lower, estrogen and testosterone. So when we can get insulin and cortisol in balance, we're addressing these other hormones, and that's diet and lifestyle. That's through the practices that everything we can do to increase you know, um, a balanced circadian rhythm, balanced cortisol levels to disconnect from the chronic revving engine PTSD, chronic everyday stress cortisol pattern to disconnect from that with meditation, lifestyle changes, heart math, um, EMDR, those strategies that we can use, gratitude journaling, prayer. Um, yeah. And again, everything that we can do to increase oxytocin and with insulin, sensitizing, it's part of the keto green plan, the keto green way that I write about 
with intermittent fasting, no more snacking, cutting out carbs, but having good, you know, healthy, healthy quantities of protein, healthy quantities of fat. Our hormones are derived from fat, so healthy quantities of fat and good low carbohydrate, you know, mineral rich greens and fermented foods. So those are part of the combination that work to enhance our physiology. So our physiology is affecting our behavior. And when our hormones are out of whack, we feel moody, you know, mood swings, depression, anxiety, irritation, anger, all of these symptoms. And clients will tell me, they say, you know, I'm, I've yelled at my kids and I, had, I would never have reacted that way. I was out of sort. I hate myself for it. So now there's, right. you know, now you've got this all, this negative cycle and coming back. Loop. And physiology is affecting your behavior. And the same is true when we are supplementing with hormones. Those hormones we're supplementing with are going to affect their physiology, which is also going to affect their behavior. So my criticism of many of the testosterone clinics is that they give so much testosterone, they now have dopamine-seeking behaviors, novelty-seeking behaviors, may have anger issues or issues with affairs and thinking ways that they typically wouldn't think because now we've revved up their testosterone. So it goes both ways. Yeah. And I love it that you, you, you start us off with what are the things we can do in our lifestyle yeah. to support all of this stuff? Yeah. And... You know, with these hormones, we're talking about essentially these chemical messengers, right? Sending yeah. these metabolic DMs to get your body all on the same page. And this yeah. is why that whole phenomenon of feeling out of whack, like that communication is, is off and it could throw off everything. Just even one hormone, I would imagine, being wonky is going to screw up the entire system. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's in center cortisol. Yes. And that is exactly, I want to talk to you about this because this even leads back into our sexual health if we're talking about insulin it's truly a master hormone in many ways because if insulin's high due to high levels of blood glucose chronically this can inspire aromatization you know so like our testosterone that we're producing in particular with males and that process essentially getting stolen and getting it converted into more estrogen yep. because of chronically high insulin levels. Yep. And then moves, male boobs. And, and, Move. and moves. You know, moves are out here on the streets. They yeah. have, instead of the bra, they have the bro. Oh, really? Nah, that was Kramer from Seinfeld. Oh. All right, but <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Okay, I'm not Shout out to that. Seinfeld. I got to do more people watching here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when we think about this and also with women, this might be leaning more towards this epidemic of PCOS as yeah. well with, can you talk a little about that with, um, because obviously again, it's a big issue. Yes, definitely. With, and, and it's certain genes, genetic profiles. And I have that genetic profile. Both my, both my parents had diabetes and heart disease. It's in my genetics when we do our you know, DNA panel or genetic panel can see that, you know, got the genetics for PCOS. And, and this is what I tell my, especially my young patients or any woman that comes in with PCOS, whether they're dealing with, you know, puberty, puberal issues, all of a sudden gaining weight and acne, that's a PCOS genotype. And, or if they're having trouble with infertility, irregular cycles, and, you know, I diagnose insulin resistance or PCOS with or without insulin resistance, the big thing I want them to know, I want every woman to know is that you have, you don't have fat, obese, infertile genes. You have warrior princess genes. 
You have Amazonian genes. You have leadership genes. You're going to build muscle faster than anyone. You are going to be able to fast longer than anyone. You have these survival leadership genes. So that's the genetics you're designed to. That's the positive. So let's empower the environment to enhance and honor these amazing survivor leadership warrior genetics that you have, or Pocahontas genes, depending, you know, like whatever they may be. So I want, I want women to understand that, embrace that. Now, the flip side is we're going to make more uric acid. So we know from uh, Dr. Perlmutter's drop acid, we know that uric acid is um, evolutionary protective to be in a fasting state for long periods of time. So those, if we have that propensity and we're trying to do carnivore, we're eating a lot of red meat solely and we're not balancing out the alkalinizers, not giving us time to intermittent fast and support our physiology, then we're going to be producing more uric acid. And that's going to make us start gaining weight despite what we're eating. And also you may or may not experience the symptoms of gout. It's pretty fascinating stuff, right? But those are like, that's with that PCOS genetic. So when we work with the keto green way is perfect for women with PCOS. I mean, again, that's part of my genetic story. And, um, and that's why this works so well for me. And it works so well for, you know, for so many women, but especially through menopause. Mm. And the reason that um, it's really powerful physiologic shift, and I don't know if we covered this in our last interview that we had together, but the fact that our brain, the gluconeogenesis in the brain is estrogen dependent. And so as we're going through perimenopause and menopause, specifically ages 35 to 55, that's when our hormone progesterone levels are declining, and that's a precursor to estrogen and testosterone. But so what happens, the symptoms besides the GYN symptoms like irregular cycles or breakthrough bleeding, heavier, more painful periods or PMS symptoms, we get the anxiety, the forgetfulness, the mood swings, the nervousness, maybe the palpitations, but those are symptoms. Those are, you know, those are symptoms that your brain is starving for fuel. Those are neurologic symptoms. So we call that a period of neuroendocrine vulnerability. But when you shift into ketosis, ketones, the use of ketones for fuel in the brain are not hormone dependent. So all of a sudden, the mood swings go away. The brain fog lifts. You've got more energy, more clarity. That's because your brain's no longer starving for fuel. You've bypassed that hormone dependent process. And that's powerful. So I think that's, you know, it's interesting on the evolutionary standpoint. If we were made post-menopause to be able to fast longer, to have more wisdom, clarity, spiritual connection, then being in ketosis when we're fasting, we're in a very high state of ketosis. That gets us there from an energetic, you know, vibration, vibrational level. This is so good. It's good, so right? Good. Yeah. Fascinating. The body's fascinating. And we have, again, this is something that we have access to in menu pause. You walk people through various diet frameworks and, and it's really basing it on you as an individual, right? Because that's the thing too, what's going to work for you right now might change. And to have the guidance of someone like yourself to walk people through and get people educated on how to utilize different fuels and help to really just kind of feel in your body again and in control of your body. So Menu Pause is available, The Hormone Fix, amazing books, bestsellers, everybody should have them. If you, you. 
are a woman or you know a woman, if you love a woman, make sure that you get a copy of these books. They're such a great thing because it's directing you back to yourself and putting the power in your hands. Now, going back to one of the things you said at the very beginning of the episode, you mentioned the environment that we're in right now and the advent of these obesogens that we're exposed to in our environment. Now, it sounds like obesity is in the name of that thing. So are obesogens potentially gumming up or disrupting the function of our important hormones like oxytocin? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And also, you mentioned something about truffle hunters. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about food as medicine. So first, the concept of obesogen. So what that is, that is affecting our endocrine system. That's affecting the receptor site. And whether it's damaging the receptor sites, in um, decreasing the ability of our body's natural hormonal production, or creating inflammation, mm. in those three ways, obesogens can make us fat, make us metabolically sluggish, make us our mitochondrial function decline. I mean, these are, so that's the concept involved with obesogens. And inflammation is tied right in there. So everything we can do to reduce inflammation, I actually was thinking about because we were just down the street from you here at a great cafe, and it um, we had a I had a turmeric milk latte. It was so good. And the first thing I do is take off the plastic lid, and, and I look over at my daughters, and they're drinking through the plastic. I'm like, haven't I taught you better? <laughs> take off the plastic lid. But the chemicals from that plastic lid are you know endocrine disruptors for sure. And so that's one way. And then I was like talking about my truffle hunters and food as medicine. So you know one of the best foods to increase oxytocin? What is it? Truffles. Is that why they're probably so expensive? Maybe. Like, you know, <laughs> this is what I, I didn't even know this association until I was in Italy, Italy for my birthday last summer. Part of the group that we were in, we were part of this Maverick group, and um, we went on a truffle hunt. And the two guys that were hunting, and it was with dogs, not pigs. And what the dogs do, the, guy, the truffle hunters go out with these dogs and they go into the woods and they sniff out the truffle and they bring it to the truffle hunter and the truffle hunter is this super happy guy like Mm. smiling ear to ear just loving life and so i'm asking questions i'm like okay so did you've always wanted to do this because i love being out in nature and i'm like well maybe that's why he's so happy and then he you know cutting up the truffle and eating the truffle i'm like huh does truffles increase oxytocin i wonder so I did the research. Actually, truffles increase anandamides. Mm, so, bliss chemicals. Bliss chemicals. So closely tied in. And um, anandamides enhance oxytocin receptor sensitivity. Holy guacamole. Holy guacamole. Wow. So let's go have some truffles. I love it. Yes. I love it. Truffles and chocolate, chocolate. as well. It does the same thing. I love talking with you. This is so awesome. This has been great. Thank can you, you let people know where they can get more into your universe? I know you have a maca product as well, yeah. and you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Can you let people know what that is and just where to follow you and all the good stuff? Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. I'm easy to find. I'm at dranna.com. That's my website is dranna.com. And I'm at The Girlfriend Doctor on all the social media channels. And I have The Girlfriend Doctor podcast, which you'll be listening to Sean on in the near future. And so I, um, I, I just love helping my clients. I have my Mighty Maca Plus adaptogenic blend product that's now in capsules for Energize and for menopause support, two different versions. And um, I'm here to help. So 
I love it. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yes, you are here to help. And I really do appreciate that. Dr. Anna Quebec, everybody. Is it just me or whenever the topic of sex comes up, I can't help but think about that salt and pepper song. All right, let's talk about sex. And even in that, it's trying to address a gap in the conversation and so many things that are taboo. And so learning from the very best experts in the world on these subjects and getting educated and empowered about an aspect of human health that affects all of us. So I'm so grateful for you tuning into this information and also sharing it with the people that you care about. You can share this out directly from the podcast app that you are listening on. And of course, you can take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram. I'm at Sean Model. And of course, you could tag Dr. Quebeca as well and let her know what you thought about this. And we've got some incredible world-class guests, powerful masterclasses coming your way very, very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.